This garden is beautiful though. That's why they want it so bad. Someone has made that and then from what I've, I've seen, there's strong evidence against the accused. With the momentum that's building up, the community is willing, you know, they're willing to testify. The weeks tick by as we get closer to the May 6th court date. This is the day for the bail application of Kanya Ungabani that we talked about in the last episode. I phone Mbali Kubeka on the morning of the 6th of May just to check in. She's the attorney that is working with Abakhali. It gets kind of depressing also, especially being an attorney, because you end up getting to know the clients. And, you know, like she was the one last person that I was communicating with because of the others having to go hide in another province due to fear of their lives. And then this is where it goes and happens to her. There has been another assassination. Nakatula Mabaso, a 40-year-old mother of four, gunned down the evening before she was meant to accompany Mbali to court, who would be presenting her affidavit detailing her account of what she saw during Ayanda's murder. I try to keep my composure on this call, but I'm starting to worry about everyone I have met so far while working on this story. We know from talking to journalist Lawazi Halango that the affidavit heavily implicated Kaya Ngobani. His bail was starting that following morning. Ms. Noctula Mabasa was the only known witness that they know was still in a kanana. So, you know, you draw your own inferences from that. Why was Nokatula still at the commune? Why hadn't she been given adequate security? What is going on here? Welcome to The Last Afternoon in the Garden, a limited podcast series produced and presented by me, Paul McNally. For this series, we are looking at the assassination of land activist Ayanda Nagila, and now a second assassination with Nokatula Mbasu. Nokatula was present for Ayanda's murder and had written an affidavit which implicated the main suspect, Kaya Ngobani. This affidavit was going to be presented at a bail application. Mbali, the lawyer, says that she wanted the witnesses to Ayanda's murder to be present in court. The bail application was set for the Friday. Nokatula was tragically assassinated on the Thursday. And on the Wednesday, Mbali began to receive calls. I received calls, threatening calls. However, you know, I'm an attorney, so it's not something new, you know being told that my days are numbered and all of those things. On the day of Nakatula's murder, Abakhali held a meeting and Nakatula attended. Nakatula then left the area where they had been meeting and went back to her home. She had dinner cooking on the stove. Apparently when she came out, someone then shot her from behind. It was five bullets, but we're still yet to do a post-mortem. I received the call immediately as it happened. It was a half past seven. Mr. Zegwete called me. The police didn't arrive. They did not arrive until half past 12. This long wait reminds me of the time when Captain Sabayer of Kato Manor Police Station told me that they can hear gunshots from the commune. So this wait is kind of inexcusable. There were affidavits compiled. Fortunately, we had already commissioned his because I was working on those personally. You know, I even had to bring them to my home office for fear of their lives, you know. 
now with this whole matter of Abashali, we now have to take extra precautions. The bail application for the suspect in Ayanda's case went ahead on Friday the 6th of May as planned. Mbali has submitted everything she can to assist the state to oppose the suspect's bail application. And is there other witnesses that were there at Ayanda's assassination that are now in danger that you fear for? Yes, they are. Um, Sneko, I do fear for. I, Landile, I fear for. You know, and I fear for all of them, actually. But then will her testimony that you had, will it still hold up in court? It was commissioned and signed and, you know, it's a valid affidavit. Also, there is more than just one attorney who can attest to that and also more than just one witness who can attest to the fact that, no, listen, this affidavit did take place. You know, you can't dispute its validity. When asked if Kaya Ngobani should get bail, Mbali replies, Listen, this person does not need to be outside because then clearly that will be sending a message to everyone else that, no, they are above the law. The bail application didn't get finished in one day. It is going to continue next Friday. That'll be the 13th of May, 2022. Mbali is going to continue to insist that the suspect shouldn't get bail. So we wait. I get in touch with journalist Lawazi Halangu, who we've spoken to before and has been covering the case for news website Times Live. He was at the bail application. I think it was on the day of when the decision would be made. Kaya was coming to the courtroom and then he bumped into Mgul. So this is the suspect and the victim, the man who was shot at with Ayanda in the garden but survived, meeting in the court's corridor. There was that look between them. There was that look that says they know each other and an arrogant smile, if I can say. I asked Lawazi to describe the mood in court when it was announced that the bail had been rejected. It just got so quiet. So no one spoke to anyone. Everyone left the court same time. Abathali went to celebrate downstairs because the court is, I think it was on the sixth floor. They don't usually stay in one place for too long. So they didn't cheer? There was no cheering in court? No, no, no. They weren't quiet in court. They could only celebrate outside. I ask Mbali if this second assassination has had a chilling effect and stopped Abakhali members from coming forward to give statements. No, I think more than anything now, they're more forthcoming and coming forward because now it's like they want to see this through the end. She does say that the main members are no longer permanently staying at Ekanana. They're at one of Abakhali's safe houses in Durban, but they still visit the commune frequently. They have offered... The Abashali witness protection, however, Abashali have denied the um, same offer. They're not comfortable with the state offering them protection now so far gone with members already assassinated without having had any help previously. In this terrible week, I speak to Zabu Zikode, the president of Abakhali. We are very stressed, uh, I must say, uh, Paul. Um, it's too much happening at the same time. Dealing and mourning the loss of Ayan Dangila, who was uh, assassinated on the 8th of March. And while we were dealing with that, there comes the floods. And then when we were merely of the crisis caused by the floods, now on the 5th of May, Nogutula Mabaso is killed. She wasn't just a state witness. 
she had plenty of key information that would have been useful for Abakhali going forward. Nogotula knew the suspects. She understood their ugly intentions because some of them were the people who lived in the community before. You could rely on the respect that she had in her own community. And has another case been opened for her assassination? Another case has been opened for murder from Nogotula Mabaz. So fortunately, this one is being handled by Detective Goss. We have more confidence in Gus. He's a that, really interesting that, officer. And that's also so, a Kato Manor um, police station. Yeah, yes, he's a Kato Manor, but he is more, you know, we have more faith in him. I go to the commune again to speak to the late Nokatula's grieving husband, Subusisu. He's busy out in the field, working on the crops when I arrive, but starts our conversation by saying he's going to have to cut down as many trees in the commune as he can. And these trees, we're expecting to cut it down. Why cut them down? To make it clear and see the people when they're moving and plant oh, on this one. Because we was planting previously. But uh, as we get arrested and disturbance on our machines... You don't have good visibility. You no, can't see very well. Yeah, you can't see very well. A culture has developed in the commune of people having as little sleep as possible, staying awake for as long as they can to keep a lookout for intruders. Here's Namfondo, the late Nokatula's daughter. We feel like uncomfortable, Buffy. You're uncomfortable living here? Yeah, I was scared. You're scared, yeah? Yes. And then do you feel that that's what most people are at the moment? Yeah. It's, it's hard to stay here, but we love to stay here. I'd say the situation that's happening, dying of people and treatment that are coming outside make us living with fear. And as the nights we are not sleeping freely because maybe they are coming to attack us. So you're saying like every night you're not sleeping? Yes, we are staying outside, camping. Uh, we're sleeping at one o'clock to two. Just to get a little bit of sleep? Yeah. Because you want to keep a lookout? Yes. So that we see our enemy if they are coming to attack us. The children's crash that's at the commune has actually been destroyed through the conflict. I wanted to ask, because I've read a lot about it, but your wife, what kind of person was she? What was she like? Yeah, my wife, she's the woman that she was willing to see the change. She was hate the poverty. She was hate a person who's suffering. It appeared that on her funeral, people, they was send the huge condolences. I heard the sound of the guns. It's where I find my wife lying down there and breathing by the wounds now. My anger was high. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. And I'm fuming. They were scared to come closer and say, no, we're going to the police and so on. And uh, I heard some of them said, no, yet you mustn't say anything to the police. That was confusing me. Why these people, they talking like this? The body was lying down. Wow, wow. Yes. Wow. And they come and pass me and say, hey, don't say any statement. I said, how? So do you know there's people here? Do you know who they are? Yeah, they are, they're hiding themselves in their rooms. 
But they're yeah. still on the complex. They're still yeah, they still, we dwell yeah. together in the complex. The eggs and the vegetables that are produced here are sold. And the money generated is distributed equally among the members of the commune. One of the complaints that the Ungabanis had, though, was that on top of working the garden, most people also had to go out and get real jobs. So essentially doing double the work. Nomfundu spends half her time living two hours away in a house in a rural area and the other half in the commune. You were saying how people love to live here. What is it do you think that people love about it? They love because here it's a free place. We have plant our vegetable. We have a chicken and selling eggs here. We have a finance school. We read about this political socialism, everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, they're teaching you about the political socialism, yeah? Yes. Our president supports us, supports everything we need. They teach us how to defend ourselves without weapons. How do you defend yourself without weapons? What are they teaching you? If you want to defeat your enemy, you may know their weaknesses and know their strengths and know where she stay or he stay. This is sadly ironic because it's their enemies who know them and are using this strategy to their advantage. There's a fake Abakhali page on Facebook where people under fake names post threats to the members of the commune. You are going to die. They said that on Facebook? Yes. Ish, they use they a fake, fake our names oh. on Facebook. Use a fake name that we don't know and write it. They are coming to kill us. When they are coming, there is a word they are writing on Facebook like this. When my mother died and they killed her, Namfundu takes a few minutes to compose herself. She's upset at the thought of her mother. Namfundu wasn't here at the commune when her mother was killed. We need to stay together and read about socialism and read how to defend ourselves. We need a security. The witnesses to Nakatula's murder have understandably been kept secret. But there were witnesses. And these statements were taken by Mbali and passed on to the police. I was fortunate that the two witnesses who actually viewed or who saw who were directly spoke to me. And they also told me their fears as women. You know, I had to take them through it for like over two weeks. Mbali showed Detective Goss, who we mentioned earlier, the witness accounts of Nokatula's death. You know, I had to speak to the captain, the one person that I can be able to be like, you know what, as much as your station is fucked up, then something happened that is, frankly, incredible. These witness statements led to two fascinating arrests. First, 59-year-old Samson Ungubani. We've mentioned him a bunch of times. He leads a Zionist church in Mabel. He's the father of the chief suspect for Ayanda's murder. He was arrested. And the second arrest, Makhlanganyelwa Ungubani, is Samson's brother, who is 70 years old. Here is Sabu again. Two Angubani brothers have been jailed as we speak. Now you have two brothers and the son having been arrested for 
killing both Ayandangila on the 8th of March and you have the two men having been charged with murder for the killing of Nogotulamabasa on the 5th of May. It's so strange that they've been arrested. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting question because at the same time, we were accusing police of favorism and not arresting them because they are somehow their friends. But we know that there has been a pressure for the local police to have them arrested. The investigating officer was saying, well, I came to look for you twice and you fled to Pitamarospec. Of course, they handed over themselves, but after being advised that in order for you to get bail, you better hand over yourself because the police are looking for you. And they didn't get bail. And we now have three members of the same family in custody for two murders. I approached Linda Kule Mguni, the man who was targeted but survived the day of Ayanda's assassination. I want to chat to him about the state of things and how he's feeling. How has your day been so far? All I can say is that we are, we are surviving. Our struggle uh, is a constant trauma, you see. There's a lot that is happening. Every day we wake up, uh, there's a new challenge. There's something new that we have to worry about. But we managed to survive. And you especially, you were put in extreme danger when Ayanda was killed. That day uh, I was supposed to die, but luckily I managed to escape. This was the first and last time I spoke to Linda Kule. The reason being, shortly after I spoke to him, he was assassinated. He was 28 years old and killed on Saturday, the 20th of August, 2022. Are you in hiding now? Are you, are you hidden? Yes, I'm, 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 in hiding. I'm in hiding. And does that mean you don't visit Ekanana anymore? Yeah, we are prohibited to go to Ekanana for safety reasons. Okay, I see. No, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, no, thanks a lot, but we, we understand our, our strikes. It would be good for me to be reminded that these people are activists. And this clip from YouTube of Linda Kule speaking about Ayanda's assassination, not long before he was assassinated himself. We used to talk a lot about death. Because we knew very well that someday they will kill us. He even said uh, it's socialism or death. Because we want it. No matter what it takes. No matter what it takes. Even if it means death. Abakhali has put up cameras, and they have footage of Linda Kule's death. We have the cameras and the fence, but they are cutting there and enters where they coming to attack Linda Kule. They cut through the fence. Yeah. To, to attack Linda. Yes. Okay. <sighs> Here's Subusiso, as he recalls when he got the call that Linda Kule had been killed. Nguni's wife phoned me and told me that Nguni is cut short. I said, what? She said, don't come out because these criminals, they're not departed, they're still around here. 
I said, no, 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 no. And I switched off the phone. When I opened the door, one of the leadership was already in my yard and said, Spusiso is bad now. Lindogute is get shot. And I accompanied with him toward the scene. Here's Mbali again. This one, yeah, yeah, I really left a mark. I think, I think I even looked horrible. <laughs> I cried a lot because I felt as though, you know, does that now make me somewhat of an influential killer because I'm getting them out. I'm resolving all these matters. So now they've been killed. Unfortunately, Linda Kule did return to the garden. Here's Cebu again. Linda Kule left the safe house here in Sipiti, which is safe. And these guys have been living in these safe homes for the past two years. So it was like too much and they actually given up and didn't like it because he's an activist. He said, well, it's during the broad daylight. Mbali says Linda Kule was like her little brother. They planned together. She says he helped her do her job better. Also, they actually spoke about the possibility of him being killed. And he told her it wouldn't be her fault he knew what they were getting into. First of all, is evidence I am in position of um, the camera surveillance whereby they capture. Unfortunately, we can't reveal who the person is on the CCTV footage, but it is possible by looking at it to know who it is. He is visibly seen on the camera. And the second assailant is the same guy who was with Kayan Gubani when they assassinated Ayanda Ngila. So I think it's one of the hitmen that they use. CCTV footage should be assisting the police to apprehend those that are responsible. There are people, you know, who do not speak glowingly of Abashali. There's a lot of accusations, you know, there's a lot of accusations. So I don't want to say something you know, it might get me sued. This is Tabiso Goga. He's a journalist with The Citizen newspaper and has been covering this topic and this area extensively. I think what maybe people who do not sort of have a lot of contact with informal settlements is that there's a lot of slumlord. It's sort of like um, organized chaos. It might look like just people building on top of each other. Those are actually slumlords. I think they're called shacklords informally. A lot of this land in informal settlements does belong to a group of people. And then they rent out these shacks very cheaply, but obviously they're renting them out to people who obviously do not have that much money. Um, but it is a very, very lucrative business. It was established as a need to sort of formalize this informal sector. They sort of disturbed this hierarchy that was already been established in informal settlements because there were people who were sort of benefiting from the chaos that was informal settlements. So when there's people who try to bring organization to this chaos, then there's a lot of people who get hurt. It's not that areas where police usually go to. It's not areas police actually care about. So that's actually where the crux is. Like anything else in the world, the fight is for resources. The fight is for money. So if an organization disturbs that fight, then there are going to be killings. Banu brothers, that family, just like you know, the leaders of Abashari, they've been there for a very, very long time. And they're not just, you know, pastors. There has been a suggestion, even in courts, they do own a lot of shacks. You know, obviously they haven't been found guilty, 
But part of the motivations that the police are sort of looking into is this shack war between the established shack loads and Abashali Basem Jondolo, who are trying to formalize the informal settlements in Ekenan. Then we move on to why the Ungabani brothers are still inside, awaiting trial without bail. The pastors, the Ungubani pastors, um, they're in jail awaiting trial because the judge thought that, you know, if they were to get out, they would intimidate and threaten witnesses. So that's where we are right now. I think what we have to just sort of watch out for is that if they do plead and if they actually do tell us the true intent of their motives in terms of this is why I did this, this is why I killed, you know, this um, Abashali activist, I think that might give us an insight into terms of, you know, how deep the war is. Here is Lawazi again. You know that Abashali are practicing socialism. So when I spoke to the Mubanis, they said that they left the Kenana because they couldn't live this way. Abashali said the Mubanis are trying to sell the land there. They've already promised the land to investors. So they are trying to remove anyone who, who opposes them. There is one last thing that Tabisa wants to add. It's a dirty war, right? It's a dirty war. And I don't think that it's a war that you can win by fighting clean when the other side fights dirty. The evidence that we do have right now is that Abashali are the good guys and the Sheikh Lords are the bad guys. But, you know, if life has taught us anything, is that not everything is as simple as, as that. Ayanda is dead. Nakatula is dead. Linda Kule is dead. We have an arrest for Ayanda's murder and two arrests for Nakatula's murder and CCTV footage of Linda Kule's murder where the killer can be identified. I get a final call from the journalist Loazi Halangu. And he has an interesting proposition for me. Also, Paul, if you also want to, to speak to the Ngubanis, I can, I can ask them, yeah. Because they've, they've been complaining to me about the media covering the, the whole thing from, from one side. We're going to take a look at that other side in the next episode. The Last Afternoon in the Garden is a four-part podcast series produced by me, Paul McNally, for Develop Audio. We are an audio-focused organization based in South Africa that is producing podcasts like this and teaching a growing community of African journalists to produce podcasts and audio projects. Check out our work at developaudio.co.za. The music for this series is composed by John Bartman. You can check out his work at John Bartman, that's with two N's, dot com. And this episode was mixed and mastered with additional editing by Danny Boyson. And also a huge thanks goes to the Henry Namalo Foundation for their financial support with this series. We could not have done it without them. And thanks to the Mail and Guardian for being the publishing partner for this series. You can find this series and other podcasts by them at mg.co.za. See you on the next episode. Goodbye. on the next episode of The Last Afternoon in the Garden. We don't know how we can protect ourselves if the enemy comes. And you've got a Ayanda t-shirt on. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes.